Maybe you've heard of Neil Woolard, associate pastor here at Henson. Maybe you've heard us talk about culture of discipleship. Well, here on this podcast, you get to hear Neil Woolard talk about a culture of discipleship, which I think you will enjoy, particularly if you are a newer member or exploring membership at Henson, and you are trying to listen to all the episodes pertaining to the Welcome to Henson class material. We got you covered here. This is the last and final episode of this mini-series, if you will. Some say it's better than Mandalorian Season 3. I don't know. That's just, you know, maybe some people have said that. I I guess I've never heard someone, but I'm just saying maybe. And uh, yeah, so enjoy this episode. Neil Willard, welcome back to the Disciple Henson Podcast. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, but it's good to be here. And uh, we're recording for the first time in uh, room eight of the basement. So if it sounds a little more echoey, it's not because we're doing this in the bathroom. I just want to be clear for our listeners. It also smells a little bit less moldy than the old room we were in. Yeah, so that's a bonus. Uh, Neil, we want to talk today about something that we hardly ever talk about here at Henson, a culture <laughs> of discipleship. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> okay, let's do, it. let's do it. So... Um, let's just, when did this idea, uh, of a culture of discipleship, when did you first hear that phrase culture of discipleship? Was it here at Henson or is it, talk to me about your background with this? Yeah. You know, I probably heard the phrase culture of discipleship first here, Mm -hmm. uh, but discipleship has probably always been important, uh, with all my church background. Uh, I think as I've grown in my understanding of discipleship, it's broadened out from just programs or just this individual, like idea of it looks like just like getting a coffee. It's probably Mm -hmm. expanded a lot more to understand that it's the work of the whole church. And I think that's been really helpful to understand. And actually it's not just uh, another thing that a church does. Mm -hmm. It's, it's how we do everything. So it's really important and it takes the whole church to do the work. That's great. And that's a great way to start off what this podcast is going to be about. It's we're thinking in pretty broad terms. I'm going to go narrow just in terms of personal interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is the first person who you would say kind of one-on-one mm-hmm. or in, a, in maybe a small group context discipled you, showed you what it looks like to follow Jesus? Uh, that might've been my, my freshman year. There was a senior, his name was James Hauser. And College? He, uh, this was high school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this was in high school, and he was probably the best example I had in high school, just getting together, opening up God's Word, asking me meaningful questions. And then once I went to college, yeah, there, uh, there were a lot more men who spoke into my life. So when you're, you were in high school and you said his name's James, mm-hmm. was that weird for you? Well, that's a good question. No, I, I don't, th- it, it wasn't weird in the sense that it was something I wanted to happen. Okay. I, I wanted someone to speak into my life. Uh, it was weird in that I didn't understand it. And I think socially I was trying to figure it out. So it took me, I think a little bit to, to, to settle in. I was actually pretty insecure early on, uh, just about friendships. And so, uh, this was me figuring it out. I never would have guessed that, but there you go. Hope, hope that uh, encourages people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, let's, let's back up. Let's think Mm -hmm. about what is discipleship. Sometimes when I write discipling or discipleship in a word doc, it says that I've misspelled a word and I'm pretty sure I've spelled it correctly. It makes, it wants to make me say discipline or something like that. (laughs) Uh But what, what is discipleship? What are we talking about here? Yeah, I, you know, the, the closest words in the New Testament is probably comes from Matthew chapter 28. 
28, when we have Jesus' mission, his final words to us, and he tells us to go make disciples. So I think discipleship is making followers of Jesus. Uh, and we do that by helping point people to Jesus. So I would say simply, uh, discipleship is helping people follow Jesus. Great. So you pointed us to the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the time, church people, when we think of the Great Commission, we think of evangelism, like mm. missions even. Mm-hmm. So how is discipleship different from evangelism? Mm. Yeah, uh, Well, what's different about it, I think most fundamentally, is if we're talking to someone who's not a Christian, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Like we think about in Titus chapter 3, that we've been washed in regeneration through the Spirit, and therefore uh, there's no union with Christ. And so we are trying to proclaim that good news and introduce them to Jesus Christ and the gospel. Uh, But when we think about discipleship, we're working from a different base, that this person has been regenerated, they're following Jesus, and the Lord Jesus will help them persevere to the end. And so we keep pointing to the Lord Jesus in the end. So in both cases, we're pointing to Jesus. So is, is evangelism then like a subset of a larger category of discipleship, or are they apples and oranges, would you say? Oh, yeah, not apples and oranges. I want to remain, keep some distinction there, mm-hmm. yet uh, what's the same about them is that we're pointing people to Jesus. So you can think about evangelism as maybe the beginning of discipleship. Okay, okay, yeah, that's helpful. Well, then, if that's what we're seeking to do, if that's kind of the base definition, seeking to point people to Jesus, helping them follow him, mm-hmm. um, what would a culture of discipleship look like in a local church? Yeah. Uh, or, I was, how, or how do we do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I would think that it's, it's when it's normal that the whole church is discipling the whole church, uh, which which means that it's all of life. It's not just a program over here or something we do on Sundays or in a two-hour small group. It's actually our lives are given to that, and I think that works itself out. And as we think about discipleship in our in our gatherings, discipleship and how we pursue relationships, and discipleship and how we think about serving in the church. Okay, so those are three categories that you just made of uh, a culture of discipleship, gathering, relationships, serving. Can we just walk through each one yeah. and you can kind of tell us what more specifically what that looks like and how that is discipleship. So should we start with gathering? Yeah, let's start with the gathering. You know, I think about even Hebrews uh, chapter 10 as, as a basis for this. And in verse 23, uh, I'm sorry, beginning verse 22, It's talking about, in the whole book, we've been encouraged to be faithful to Jesus. And we are encouraged in faith, love, and hope. But then how do we do this? And I don't know if this is a surprise most people, but it says we do it through meetings, that we should not neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I think the gathering is actually the first important step of discipleship where we hear the word preached, we read the word, we pray the word, we sing the word, and uh, we see the word through baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so there in Hebrews 10, it, it seems that the author of Hebrews isn't just ha- doesn't have in mind like a gathering, like a, a cookout mm-hmm. in someone's backyard, mm-hmm. but something more specific um, in, in order to encourage one another to, to persevere, um, to encourage one another towards love and good works. So 
is someone who is disobeying Hebrews 10, 24, 25, are they then not being discipled? Uh, I, I assume not. I would want to know more about their friendships and relationships, but I think this is a core aspect of discipling. There isn't this Lone Ranger view of version of a disciple, and Christians always normally gather. So if they aren't gathering with the church, I would have some uh, serious concerns that they're not living or acting as a disciple because we have a clear command here. Uh, so uh, help me think through this. A lot of uh, a lot of people per, um, go to churches that are quite large and you, your background is more mega church where mm-hmm. it would be, you know, I don't know how many, you're, you're, the last church you were serving at, well, not here in Portland, but how many people went to that church? When I left, it was around 6,000 and, and in my building, we had around 2,500 every weekend. So can, can a large, I guess I'll try to make this question simple. Can a large church like that mm. Can those gatherings be an example of discipleship? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely so. Because what it's centering around is what we're all participating in together, which again is hearing the word that forms us, that helps us conform to the image of the sun. You know, I think about even even singing. You know, if you look around the room and you see a diverse group of people, different ages, different stages of life, uh, all worshiping the same God, uh, through suffering, through joy, that is an encouragement to persevere in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think if the word is at the center uh, and the people are gathering to hear from the Lord, it absolutely is deception. Amen. I just wanted to uh, make a distinction there and show how gatherings in particular are, um, are a part of discipleship, even if maybe, you know, you're, you're going into a church service where you are not known um, and you don't know others, it can, that's still a basic building block because mm-hmm. we're going to get into the relationships. And I'm not trying to downplay the importance of relationships and discipleship, mm-hmm. but in gathering is a kind of a pillar according to the new Testament. This is what early Christians did. They, they gather, they practiced the Lord's supper. They had people baptized into their, into their communities and their worship communities. Mm-hmm. I I think that's absolutely right. Typically, our gatherings isn't the first thing that comes to mind when we think of discipleship. Yeah, it's really important to the author of Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's just a good good thing to point out, particularly in a maybe in a age where we are feeling isolated and uh, we are so relational and longing for community. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, if we're not like making getting everything out of our church gatherings relationally than that we would want. Maybe we would be tempted to disobey Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, because it's like, well, my relational needs are not being met. So therefore I'm not going to gather when I think it's helpful to say there it's a both. And you need, you do need the relationships, but you also need the gathering and there is overlap there, but absolutely. And the importance of physically gathering, Mm because as I think about watching a church service, there's benefit to hearing the word of God preached and seeing that yet that has a view that minimizes discipleship to what's just happening on the stage. Uh, actually discipleship is when, again, the whole church is doing the work. So when we are in the middle of our pastoral prayer and, and we're six minutes in mm-hmm. and I look over and I see one third through <laughs> one third through, <laughs> and, uh, and don't tell anyone I open my eyes for a second, but I look around and I see someone who I know is going through a really hard season of life, but mm. earnestly praying 
that disciples me. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just what's happening from stage. It's, it's the whole body. Good call. Yeah. And a good reminder to persevere in praying with the person who's leading us on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Word. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's do the second category that you pointed out of discipleship, which is relationship. So this would be the category that maybe we're a little more familiar with. If you've, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, a Christian, you're, you've, you've thought like, yeah, I need relationships, um, yeah. with other Christians, but how talked about what this looks like and how this is a part of discipleship. Yeah, I think that's important. So once we gather, we scatter and our lives following Jesus, you know, it's not just during the church gathering. So what does it look like as we encourage uh, fellow believers uh, to pursue Christ together? And uh, I would maybe highlight a, a two categories underneath that. There are organic ways and ways organized by the church. Mm, I was uh, hoping you're going to say gluten-free ways. <laughs> <laughs> GF ways. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I, I think the organic category is pretty important because as we think about the Great Commission, again, it's go and make disciples. So we are to be initiating, looking for ways to help people follow Jesus. And that can look like actually just a bunch of different ways. And I would encourage you to to maybe ask one question to help you decide, am I discipling or am I not? And I think it's to ask the question, am I helping this person follow Jesus? Just ask that question. So uh, a poker tournament, would that be an example of an organized or a, an organic <laughs> or, <organized>. or an organized Neither. What about, I mean, so what, you know, when someone's coming new into the church mm. and this is who this podcast is kind of aimed at people mm-hmm. who are newer to Henson and they want to be about discipleship, helping others follow Jesus. They want to, they mm-hmm. want help following Jesus too. But there's, we don't have organized church activities every night of the week. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not, you and I aren't on call every evening Mm-mm. or day to help um, one of our 470 something members follow Jesus. So is this, what is this going to look like? Is this going to look like memorizing verses like Awana style mm-hmm. or, um, you know, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what, give me an example, maybe even from your own life, just as a Christian, not necessarily as a pastor. Sure. I, I think, uh, one example would be regular hospitality. Mm-hmm. It means a lot when someone invites you into their home and, uh, they're not necessarily worried about presenting a certain way, having the perfect house, the kids acting perfectly. And then over dinner, we get to know each other. We talk about how the Lord's encouraging us, hard things that we're going through. But it's just the really normal bringing someone else into your life, bringing someone else into your normal routines and sharing that for the purpose of helping others follow Jesus. So that'd be, that'd be one example, but there are really countless other examples. You know, it can look like, uh, like a one-time meeting. Maybe you meet someone after church and you immediately say, Hey, what are you doing for lunch? And you may not meet with them ongoing yet. That one meeting actually is really helpful for them getting integrated into the church and you help point them to other people. And so for the new person here, I would just tell you, uh, be bold, Mm. pursue people. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you have to wait on leadership. Uh, to do this, just feel free and empowered to do it. And I think it looks a lot more normal sometimes than we think. What would be an example of an ordinary 
question or topic of conversation that is aiming not just to get to know the individual, mm -hmm. like what they're interested in, what they do for fun or in their free time or what restaurants they like in Portland, um, but like a Jesus-shaped community that is mm -hmm. helping others follow Jesus. What would be an example of, of like a question you could ask someone as you're... Yeah. Uh, a real easy one would be, how is the Lord encouraging you mm -hmm. this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be an easy one. Another question could be, hey, is there something you've read this week uh, in, in the Bible that, that the Lord is really using in your life? Uh, you can ask questions like, um, I realize you asked for one question. I'm going on a list. No, of this them. is good. It's <laughs> good to have a grab bag. Yeah, grab bag, <laughs> a grab bag of questions. Yeah, you could ask uh, if there's anything that's been convicting lately. Mm -hmm. uh, good. Yeah. Or what, you know, since we just keep going, what... Any, anything that you took away from the sermon mm. this last week or uh, one of my favorites to ask people to both to get to know them and a little mm. bit of their story, but also how their story connects with Christ. How did you come to know Christ? And often we'll know that if they're, mm. if they're say a new member we've kind of heard, but hearing it from them can be really encouraging and maybe hearing a little more detail. That, that's absolutely right. I think that's step one yeah, is yeah, hearing their story. Mm -hmm. And again, even what you hear in a membership meeting is going to be a small part of their story. That's right. So take time and really listen for how the Lord saved them. So if those would be anything else you want to say about the organic side of the relational organic ways of following Jesus and discipleship? I, I would say also depth of relationship is, is important. And so uh, I would try and have at least a few people that you meet up with regularly that know you and know everything about you, who are going to love you in Christ Jesus, who are going to speak truth to you. Um, so I would say that. And then maybe one other really quick thing is when you hear something like you or I say that, uh, you know, that's not just another thing we do. It's how we do everything. It can feel overwhelming. Like, uh, what do I do? I don't have enough time for this. So I think a helpful piece of advice is just bring people into what you're already doing. That's great. Great. And what about the uh, discipleship as organized by the church? We already talked about the main gatherings in mm -hmm. which we're kind of talking about more Sunday morning, Sunday evening services. Yep. Um, anything that we organize as a church that helps people? Yeah. So beyond the morning and evening service, uh, small groups is a really great way. This is intended to be uh, multi-generational, uh, 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 men and women groups who we mutually open up the word, encourage one another, exhort one another, and uh, we encourage one another. So I, I would really encourage you to, to pursue a small group. A lot of our small groups meet every other week. Uh, if you don't know how, uh, you don't know anyone in a small group or you're not sure where to start, just reach out to staff. Um, there's also a link on the app and the church website where you can uh, join a small group. So I think that's a really great way that's organized. Are small groups uh, biblical? Are they in the Bible? Are small groups <laughs> biblical? <laughs> well, we do see Christians meeting in the house, in houses often mm -hmm. and sharing deep life, uh, especially in like Acts 2. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a large church that then they met in houses. Uh, I think what what's important about that question is, is to know that your small group is not your church. Mm -hmm. Small groups help serve the church as a whole as we kind of specifically help one another follow Jesus. But that means that, you know, some small groups may have to replicate because that's what the church needs. Mm -hmm. It's the needs of the church that the small groups serve. That's great. 
Any other organized ways that we seek to mm. pursue a culture of discipleship? Yeah, uh, lots of ways. Uh, our Sunday morning classes mm-hmm. where we're trying to do Christian education. Uh, those are at 9 a.m. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to look like that, but that's what it is right now. We have a really strong and flourishing women's ministry that meets on Wednesdays in the mornings and the evenings. It's a great opportunity to get to know other women centered around the word. Our men's ministry is intentionally mere uh, because we think our men's ministry is mainly men discipling all year round, whether that's in a gathering or not. So what we do is we get our men together about twice a year. Uh, We eat some good food, um, hear a devotion, and are encouraged to care for the church and own the church. And so it really looks like then there's a bunch of groups of men meeting throughout the year. And what I love about that is, um, and this is just in general, but one of the things we try to encourage our church members in, in being entrepreneurial when it yeah. comes to helping others follow Christ. So I think I just talked to Ron Moore, who's mm. wanting to have a first, second, third John and Jude Bible study mm. on Sunday afternoons for people who are just hanging around mm-hmm. waiting for the evening service. Um, I think of guys like Bon Latin and Tony Andrade who mm-hmm. have launched men's Bible studies at different times going through different books of the Bible. Um, you know, Christian Wahlberg and others have, mm-hmm. have gr- different groups of guys getting together to pray mm-hmm. and just thinking about how, you know, something that I'm seeking to do in my life, like maybe read a good Christian book. Maybe I can invite one or two other guys mm-hmm. to do that with me. And not just, those are just examples from the men's side, but it's, mm-hmm. it's happening on the women's. We have the formal women's Bible study, but it, you know, we see that happening on the women's side just as much. Just as much. Uh, we can give so many more examples, but what I'll say I love about that is often you and I, Dan, we hear about things that have started, Bible mm-hmm. studies, uh, ways men and women are serving the church. We had nothing to do with it. That's right. And I love that. Yeah. But do tell us about it so we can, um, <laughs> so we can, it can be an example and encouragement mm-hmm. to the whole church and that we can be owning those things as a whole church by praying for it. Yep. So, uh, you know, letting one of us know, Hey, I started this group or I'm doing a Bible study at my workplace that maybe mm-hmm. it's both evangelistic or, and also just to equip the other Christians there. We'd love to hear about that. So, and can... these are the exact things we pray about in our Sunday evening prayer service That's right. It's the ministry and life of the church, as well as like every one of our men's gatherings, we end with five or six men getting up saying, Hey, here's what I started. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm doing. Pray with me, but also serve as examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you know, that, the poker tournament again, it's just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, what about the serving side? That would yeah. be the kind of another general category for discipleship. Yeah, that's good. You know, I want to tether, you know, serving really clearly to discipleship, uh, which is very others facing others centered, not self-centered. Uh, there's not a lot of navel gazing that kind of happens, you know, actually it's, it's, it's built around kind of asking the question, how can I love this church and protect the unity of this church? So as we see in first Corinthians 12 through 14, love is at the center and, and, and edification and encouragement is at the heart of it. So when we think about serving, it's not just you being able to maybe express or do what you like. It's actually saying, how can I love and serve this church? And so in the same ways, uh, they're really, we encourage this entrepreneurial uh, initiating aspect of this. And so I would just encourage you to do a couple things. First of all, just look to your left and right, see who in the church you're around and just ask, how can I love and serve them? And so I would encourage you to pursue people 
before pursuing a programmatic ministry. Mm. So, mm-hmm. cause again, people is the center, um, of that. And so you might be, you know, meeting with someone and you hear that they have uh, a particular practical need. Well, maybe if you're more wired towards administration, you help organize people to help support that. Or maybe you're a servant and you just go do that. Uh, I think that's the number one thing to do. Uh, I would encourage people, uh, secondly, just look around the church. And if you see that something can be done, not just for the sake of doing, but specifically encouraging and edifying people, uh, start doing it. If you're not sure if you can, come talk to staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pull people in with you to do that. I think a really great example of this is Mark Thiessen, who retired a bit ago and has been asking, how can I serve this church? And has been doing some great work on on the grounds Mm -hmm. and pulling in people to help him. Same thing with AV and tech. And so I think he was a great example of someone just looking around the church saying, what needs to be done? And then going to do it and pulling people with them. That's great. Um, how how you mentioned Mark Thiessen, How do the how does the ministry of the deacons fit into this idea of serving? Uh, it's a great question. So so in the life of the church, when there is a a need that is seen, particularly one that's going to help preserve the unity and love of the church, uh, we see examples in Acts six, and, and then a little bit more teaching on the character of a deacon in First Timothy three. Deacons help organize the church for works of service. Hmm. And so uh, they're in particular going to be trying to free up the elders for uh, teaching and prayer. Uh, so that means all of our deacons, hopefully they're, they're not doing the work, but they're organizing and enabling people to do the work. And I would just say there's in some ways kind of endless deacon roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really comes down to what does the church need? And then, and then the church appoints a leader to help organize it. That's great. Well, let's, so if those are the, anything you want to say about ser- else about serving before I, we yeah. zoom back out to just discipleship in general? Yeah. I'll just say, yeah, one more note on the deacons. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the kind of third thing that's really helpful to do after you look at the people next to you, you look at the needs of the church is just go talk to a deacon and mm-hmm. find out what they need. Mm-hmm. You can find those deacons. They're always listed in the back of our directory. Mm-hmm. They're always listed on our website. And they're always listed on our church app. And each deacon ministry is a little bit different. So one ministry, you might have to wait six months before you can serve as a new member. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can just get a hold of them and say, how can I help? Great. So I would encourage you just to reach directly out to them. Yeah, that's a great practical uh, application. What about... Um, as we think about discipleship more in general, how do, how does this, you've mentioned the staff a few mm-hmm. times, like reach out to a staff member or an elder, how do they fit into a culture of discipleship? Are they like on the accelerated track yeah. of discipleship or <laughs> what's going on? Are elders on the accelerated track? <laughs> or staff. Or staff, yeah. yes. So I, I think you can view staff similarly as, as deacons. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be helping organize and administrate ministry as a whole. Mm-hmm. So any staff, feel free to reach out to them as mm-hmm. well. Uh, as we think about elders, um, well, first of all, we hope all of our elders are servants, mm-hmm. are, are humble, and give themselves to the flock. But the elder's role is a little bit different. Uh, when we see in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, that pastors and teachers in that section, which would be elders, they equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with stature, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So just note there, 
uh, elders are to equip church members for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. So again, it comes back to this idea. Uh, it's not just the professionals on staff. Uh, we're actually pretty fallen and broken people as well, mm-hmm. but uh, it's actually the whole church that does the work of ministry. So that means we're teaching. That's yeah. what our teaching is aimed towards that. And a great book on that idea is Side by Side by Ed Welch. Great. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about the, the biblical commands to be caring for the poor, uh, for, for the vulnerable? How does that fit into discipleship and how are we seeking to do that here at Henson? Yeah, I think we, first of all, again, we just look around in our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tell we're, that we're supposed to particularly care for the ha- household of God. Mm-hmm. And so as you look at people who maybe don't have, who are poor financially, uh, or, or maybe aren't as rich in other resources like friendships, mm-hmm. uh, th- that means we give ourselves, uh, to them first. And so we do that practically through a benevolence offering. In mm-hmm. some ways we give of our resources to help support those in our church who might have need. But I think it's important to keep an eye out for, for, for them. Yeah. For the week. Great. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about just how our local partnerships with mm-hmm. ministries like first image, Portland mm-hmm. rescue mission, nine marks, how those, how we think about those in terms of a culture of discipleship? Cause we mm-hmm. have a lot of partnerships here as a church. We do. Yeah. So w- where they step in is they're focused on work that maybe the church isn't called to primarily do or focus on. Uh, and so, uh, so, so take for example, our partnership with uh, Portland Rescue Mission and City Team. Mm-hmm. Both are focus, focused on uh, our homeless population. It is a good and wonderful thing for Christians to care for the poor in our society, but they have particular resources that maybe we won't have as a church to care for them. So that means uh, uh, what that actually practically looks like is recently I've heard several members saying, we'd like to do more to care for the poor, mm-hmm. uh, to care for the homeless. And so we come along them, side them and say, great, here are our partners. Why don't you pull a small group or pull some friends and go help serve some food. We've had some people recently go to Portland Rescue Mission and, and preach mm-hmm. uh, after dinner is served. And so I think that's a wonderful example. You can say the same thing about First Image, who are particularly uh, focused on helping uh, give give the option of, of, of being pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so we have several people who go and just serve that organization well. And that's I think great. that's a good thing to do in our community. Yeah. Any, any ways, uh, Neil, as you consider the life of our church and how we are we, praying for a culture of discipleship is something that we regularly ask the Lord's help for and yeah. um, ways that you're encouraged that you see this culture at the church. We've already mentioned a few examples, but anything mm-hmm. that comes to mind just more in general or specifically? Yeah, I think not only do I hear stories of people initiating it, uh, discipleship, I think the depth of our care Mm-hmm. And the wisdom of our care, I've seen grow. So the kinds of questions we ask, the kinds of ways that we encourage one another in the Word of God, the ways that the church is helping those struggling with sin persevere and fight that sin, but live in the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've been really encouraged by some some stories, particularly of transparency, mm-hmm. people bringing sin into the light, and how our church responds to them in, in grace and love and truth. So I, I think I've been really encouraged by that recently. Yeah. Uh, 
I was just reflecting with a friend uh, earlier this week how we saw that transparency in the marriage class that was going on as part of our, you know, Sunday school or Sunday classes and how the discussion there, people were willing to kind of let it all hang out and talk about their failures and their discouragements Mm -hmm. and ask for help in following the Lord in that particular area of discipleship of marriage. That's great. Another thing I liked from that class was it wasn't just married people coming to that. Yeah. And so it wasn't just give me a teaching that hits my needs, but Mm. actually, no, let's, let's, talk about this so I know how to care well for married people in the church. Well said. Neil, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about this. I hope it's uh, helpful to folks. And I know you've taught on this a number of times. So thanks for doing it again. Love it. We'll see you next time. See you next time.